welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community Eastside Gathering. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Good morning. Still morning, still morning. Uh, it is uh, good to be together again this week. And uh, if you uh, pray with me, we will, we will get through uh, what the Lord has given this week. Um, if you don't pray with me, I don't know if we'll get through it or not, but if you don't pray with me, we're going to be here a long time. So our scripture for this week, uh, we are, we're, we've been looking at 2 Peter, and um, last week we looked at verses 11 through 25. There's a kind of a big section of scripture. Uh, we're going to still be in that in that same area of scripture, but just with a different emphasis this week. Uh, last week, as we read that, what stuck out and what the Lord gave was about this idea of, of honoring the government and this idea of, of uh, slaves obeying your masters. And I wanted to uh, like, just walk right into that without like, like not pretending that's not there, right? And so last week, um, uh, really felt uh, moved to, to, to do that. This week, I uh, want to go back into it, but, but really kind of looking at this idea if we are a royal priesthood, if we are people called from God into these places of oppression, what does that mean? And what does God really think about it, right? Like, like we talk about oppression, we hear injustice, but what does God really think about these things? What is, what is his heart behind it? And so this week, let's, uh, let's dive a little bit into that. Uh, the, the verses that I like to take a look at in 2 Peter uh, 2, 2 is 15 and 16. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom to cover up for evil. Live as God's servants. Some versions say slaves. So so, uh, just a little precursor here that um, I... I, I, I do recognize that um, uh, my, uh, a little bit of who I am kind of comes through in this sermon. I like, I like this idea of what does God think about oppression and, and what we do with it. Uh, but I found myself as I was studying my, my Philly attitude coming out. Um, and so I do want to acknowledge that you, like, you are hearing a little bit of that. Um, and some people might not know what that is. Uh, so, so Philly attitude basically um, is uh, growing up in a place where you go to a parade and Santa Claus doesn't do a good job and you boo him, right? <laughs> right? Like, like that, that, like, like if you're at a halftime show and there's dogs entertaining with frisbees, catching frisbees, and a dog misses the frisbee, you boo the dog unmercifully, right? Right? Uh, that, you know, that's why I was a little worried about Tim Kelly going there, right? That's probably why he's not there anymore, because this is a crazy place and crazy people. Like, you know, you lose a few games and they're like, get him out of here, right? Like my own wife. Right? Like, fire him! Right? <laughs> so, 
So I, 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 I just want to put that out that some of that probably is present in me. But I also would like you to think about faith and our work in, in the area of justice, confronting injustice and oppression as a part of our faith. As a part of, of knowing who God is and following Jesus, right? Uh, dealing with oppression is a God thing. Right. It's a Jesus thing. That's why I do it. Right. Like not because it's a part of who I am, not because it sounds cool, not because like it's it's popular right now. But this is a God thing. This is a Jesus thing. And we 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 address these things because of how God feels about them. What does God feel? Well, Jeremiah um, lets us in a little bit as he as he speaks to the kings of his day. Right. Woe to him who builds his palace by unrighteousness, his upper rooms by injustice, making his own people work for nothing, not paying them for their labor. He says, I will build myself a great palace with spacious upper rooms. So so uh, so he make uh, sorry. So so he make large windows in it, panels with cedar and decorates it with red. Does it not does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? Did not your father have a, have food and drink? He did what was right and just, so all went well with him. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is it not is that not what it means to know me? declares the Lord. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. But the eyes of your heart are set only on dishonest gain, on shedding innocent blood, and on oppression and extortion. This is Jeremiah, right? He's talking to the kings of his day. He's bringing it, right? That, that, that God, like, is about caring for the oppressed, right? And this comes down to earth. He cares about how you, king, are treating the people that are working on your palace, right? Right? Like, every day, like, in the grind, care, right? Not this big picture up here, but you didn't treat that guy who laid the brick well, and God cares about that. Right. This this is where God is around injustice and oppression. Right. It's not it's not it's not a side issue. It's his heart. Right. Uh, uh, And and this is our work, not the government's. Right. Not the mayor, not the police chief, not the city council or the or the state reps, the prison board, the Congress, the Senate. You know, all those we appeal to and I'm I'm in for appealing to them. But this is done by our good work. God says our good work silence is ignorance. God, um, good is not uh, just this event or these events that we have. Good is a lifestyle, right? It's a way of living that silences oppressors, 
right? It's not just we have an event and it's great and it's awesome and it went well. No, it's how do we do this consistently every day out of where we work, where we live, who we hang around with, right? Our lifestyle is good. I I mean, would you call me a good husband if every now and then I had an event for Donna? Right? Oh, yeah, I think, I think this year I'll do an event for Donna. Nah. Being a good husband takes being a good husband every day. Right? Saying that you love. Like, uh, I spent yesterday, man, cleaning up the yard. Not because I wanted to. Right? I had no desire to cut them things down, man. But Donna wanted that stuff done. And a good husband responds. <clears throat> just, just, saying. Just, 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 just saying. You're not a good student because you study once or twice in a semester. Right? I'm going to have a study event. Nah, that don't do it. Like, you have to have a consistent pattern of study to be a good student, Right? Right? That that you you're not you're not a professional ball player if you play once a year in a neighborhood challenge. Right? It's consistent every day, doing it over and over again, right? That's what makes it good. That's what makes it a lifestyle. It's the same with doing good. We've got to take it out of the event space and put it in our lives that we live good, right? A lifestyle that will keep the pressure on the oppressors of our day. The scripture says it silences foolish talk. Treating everyone equal Every day, right? Example, paying women the same as men, right? Every day. Here's here's the thing, like, oppressors don't stop. It keeps coming. It keeps coming. But we have a promise. The scripture says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Be not weary in doing good, right? For in due season you will reap if you faint not. The Psalms declares goodness and mercy shall follow me all of my days, right? God is good, right? Come on, I can't get an amen from that one. Right? He is good. There's no, there's no good without God. He personifies good in Jesus, right? He is good. What does this good God think about oppression? Let's take a look at this. Let's go back to Exodus. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, 
We must, we must deal, deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them and force, with forced labor. And they built Python and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more, the mul- more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. It, in all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So the Egyptians were shrewd, right? They set up a system of oppression on purpose, right? Like this was a shrewd dealing and doing. It wasn't an accident. It didn't roll into something that happened. No, they purposely, shrewdly set up a system of oppression. And then their power allowed them to move that, make that system work, right? So they were shrewd and they had power. The system of oppression, the unjust system gets set up. And this system was one of slavery. This system was one of, 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 of working these people hard day after day after day, even got to killing their children. It says that they were ruthless, uncaring, looking at people as if they were nothing, right? That this is the system that was set up. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Peruzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. What does God think? God says, uh, I have seen the oppression put on Israel. God says, I have heard their cries. God says, I am concerned. What does God think? God hears, right? God God sees, and God has deep concern for this. And then what does God do? He ends it by sending Moses. See, we like the, that first part is really cool, right? God, God hears, God sees, right? Uh, God is concerned, but then that little last part is God is sending you. 
Hold up. Wait a minute. That God looks out and hates oppression and injustice. And in this case, we have an example where he hears a particular people crying out and he says, I'm going to send you to take care of this. Does God hear the cry of parents who can't get a good education for their kids? Does God hear the cry of homelessness on our streets? Does God hear the cry of those mistreated in prisons? Does God hear the cry of women sold into sex trade? Does God hear the cry of those who are hungry? Is God sending you? I think you might be. I mean, if we want to follow scripture, that is. That this idea of walking into, walking into places that we will suffer means we speak out and we step in to these hard spots these hard places, not for ourselves, not because we think it's a good thing, but because this is the heart of God. This is what God cares about. This is God's agenda to move those who are oppressed out of the oppression, and it's you. The school's still bad because you aren't doing anything. The homeless problem is still going because you aren't doing anything. The prison system continues the way it is because you and I, we aren't doing anything. We haven't answered our I am sending you. What has God said to you? Has he spoke to you about any of these things? Has he laid something on your heart? Little bit about moving into one of these spaces, these places of injustice that persist in our society? This redemption, this idea of suffering so that someone else can live. What does Jesus have to say about this? We know God's heart. We know there's a trinity and they work together. They got one, two, three punch. So we hear God's heart and we see God moving in the Old Testament in the story of Exodus. Jesus lands on the scene. Jesus is now 30 years old. He's about to bust out with his ministry. He gives the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts to echo what the heart of God is. And he says, look at here, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
It's coming. That which is taking place in heaven is now going to be established on earth. And those of you who get the kingdom idea, like you can sign up for this. Oh, and the Pharisees, they don't have it. You got to get it better than those dudes. Their religion is standing in the way of them seeing God. A snapshot of heaven, if you will. Jesus says this. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. What are you talking about, right? It totally introduces an idea that would flip the system in which we live. It says, those who are considered last, I will show you like a new system where they are now considered a part of the kingdom and a life of the kingdom. I got a whole nother sermon about how, how I believe that those folks are the folks to lead us, but we, I, I, I can't get into all of that. Get somebody else to preach that one. Mike will do that. And he introduces these ideas like, like give when it makes no sense, right? Just, just give. What do you like, like, like love when you're hated, do good for strangers, beat up on the road, forgive over and over and over again, right? Right? He starts to introduce these ideas that are crazy. And people start to follow these, and the world begins to move, to change. He starts hanging out with tax collectors, making women who meet him at the well in the middle of a day preachers. Mary and Martha become some of his, his, his closest associates and march with him right to the cross and right, right through the ascension. Like, like he heals on the Sabbath and he heals on the Sabbath again, right? Like, like you think he's doing this? Like, like by accident, he's trying to let us know that I've come to turn the system upside down. I've come to rid the world of the injustice and the oppression. I I've come to free you. Live as free people. I've also come to forgive your sins. I've also come that you might know grace. I've also come that, that, that you are to die for you to take your sins on. Yes, I've come to do that as well. I went to uh, I went to see Barbershop uh, a couple days ago. I recommend you go. Matter of fact, got some passes if you want to go check it out. But but uh, in this film, it's the main character Ice Cube is playing. It's this uh, it's this tension for him. 
like to stay in the neighborhood and to stay in the midst of all of this injustice and trouble and danger or get out, leave, right? The movie is, is showing him in the midst of this. What do I do? How, like, do I, do I care for my son and my family, like, and get us out of here, right? Like, it shows him walking through this process, and I think it's the same for us, right? Like, like do we enter this tension? Do we stay in this? Do we walk alongside it? Do we, do we befriend other people in its midst, right? Like, like, like almost like Moses saying, hey, uh, sorry, I can't talk. Good thing Moses, good thing Aaron was there, you know, as, a, as, as God's grace for Moses in that space, right? Because God wasn't happy with Moses, right? And he gave Aaron as a sign of grace. Thank God for people that are signs of grace, right? Mike Dean's a sign of grace because he can do something on that thing that I can't do. Praise the Lord, right? right? God, I can't, I can't be a pastor in a church. I don't know how to play music. Right? Thank God for people like Joe, right, who organize and, and administrate. Praise the Lord for the grace of a Joe in our lives. Right? This, this call for us to live in this tension. So uh, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a scene uh, where after he's all in this tension and don't know what to do, and he's deciding, I'm going to walk out of this thing, I'm going to leave this thing, and Cedric, the entertainer who I love, like old school actor, is my boy, you know, he wears a hat, like, you know, that's very cool. And uh, uh, Cedric sits down with him, and they're, they're, they're having a drink, and, and Cedric, Cedric says, uh, says this line, he says, man, he says, we're black, it's hard, but we still here. And man, like, we Christians, it's hard, but we still here. We Christians, it's hard, but we're still. We're Christians. We're called to suffer. But God will redeem it. See? See? It's not that it won't be hard. It's not that we can't see the hardship in front of us. It's that we want to we want to be close to this God we love. And, and this Jesus that died for us. Like, take the idea of like, like we're involved in justice because we're so great. And we know so much. Suppose that we're involved in this because like, man, I love God. And I want to be close to him. So I became a Christian. And it became hard. I'm still here. 
I'm going to close this morning a little bit differently. Because I think we need to come to Jesus. I think we need to come to the guy who died for us, who hung on a cross, who took on our sins, who shed his blood that we might have life. But we need to come to the guy that calls us to walk the heart life. That calls us into the heart of God that says, I have heard. I have seen. I am concerned. And I'm sending you. We need to come to that Jesus. And I want to open up the tables. Let this communion table be a reminder of the Jesus we love and we follow and has called us. Lord, we thank you for this table. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that your blood was shed for us. We thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We ask your strength to help us to walk through the tough places in our lives or in our families or in our communities. May this table represent all that you are and all that you call us to in the name of Christ. Communion table is open. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at idceastside.com. Thanks for listening.